Hey everybody, welcome back to the Gray Malkin Lane Podcast, where queer friends and allies gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Except once in a while we take a book from 2014, because Alan Davis puts out some beautiful artwork and sets it in the old continuity. We're going to be covering Savage Hulk numbers 1 through 4, which is a very surprising and unexpected X-Men ancillary series that takes place right after uh, volume 1 of the X-Men ends. We'll get to that in just a little while. I have been excited about this episode for months. Uh, my friend Amanda Martini is back, and a while back she was visiting, and we thought, why don't we do like a fashion review of the 60s X-Men costumes? So Demanda invited her friends, the incredible Dax Exclamation Point and Tay Bobo, and I am so honored to have everyone here. Let me have you each introduce yourselves. Uh, let me know your gender pronouns, where we might know you from, and then kind of our silly question for today's introduction is, you're hit by gamma radiation, it changes you into a version of yourself that releases your deepest repressed self. So what is the Hulk version of you like? Uh, let's go in the order of Demanda, Dax, and then Tay. So hi, hi everybody, I'm Demand Martini. Uh, so happy to be back again here with Chad and of course my amazing drag friends. Um, uh, you guys probably uh, know me either from listening to this podcast or I also make appearances on Power of X-Men uh, and uh, just in social media in general. I'm a Washington DC based uh, cosplayer, drag performer, uh, theater artist, uh, I'm always so booked and busy. Uh, I also do drag story hour and, um, yeah. Uh, so if I were bombarded by, uh, gamma rays, I think I would probably be more like the She-Hulk where it's like, just like, it's, it's sort of like being drunk where it's like your, your inhibitions are gone, but you're also not like super like savage or crazy. You're just like, oh, just a little bit, just a little bit extra. I mean, as though I'm not extra already. So, like, just imagine, like, what I am now, just, like, times 100. Like, a little taller, a little hornier. <laughs> a little greener. Uh, fantastic. It's good to see you, my friend. And then over to Dax. Hi. Hi. Hello, world. My name is Dax! Exclamation point. I am a cosplayer, a drag performer, an artist, a cat mom. Um, and you might know me from the internet. Or your TV, you're welcome. Um, I, yeah, I mean, uh, I do a lot of conventions. I do a lot of panels um, whenever, you know, obviously whenever possible, whenever asked, I will probably show up to your convention. So please book me. I would love to be there. Um, and yeah, uh, I think if I were to be bombarded by gamma radiation, um, yeah, I mean, I think I would just be like full on Savage She-Hulk. I feel like I would just be like furious and like outwardly furious. It would not be pretty. It would not, I don't think it would be a good time for anybody to have, honestly. <laughs> to just smash things without having any fear of like repercussions or like, you know, legal issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be a problem. Knock it over and walk away. That's yeah, yes. pretty much. <laughs> Wonderful. It's so good to meet you, Dax. And then let me turn it over to Tay. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Um, my name is Tay Bobo. I'm a Toronto-based drag performer and like our other panelists today, also a cosplayer. Um, I work in Toronto's Gay Village and I have several residencies here. And um, when I think of if gamma radiation were to make me less repressed in some kind of way, I know the first thing that would happen 
based on my experiences with tequila is I'd be telling everybody the opinions that I usually <laughs> am smart enough to hold back. So I'd be, you know, I guess I would just morph into Cordelia Chase, but green. <laughs> yes. I'm changing my answer. I want that one instead. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, I'm Chad Anderson. I use he, him pronouns. I am not a cosplayer nor a drag queen, but sometimes I wish I was. Uh, you guys would know me as the host of this show, of course. I'm also the uh, former Marvel Comics handbook writer. I, uh, if I got hit by gamma radiation, I actually give this some serious thought. I'm a therapist in my day job. And I often have like an inner voice where I grow impatient with people who are making bad life decisions and or ignoring my advice. And I think there would just be a very loud, sassy version of me that would be like, get your shit together. I would just want to yell at everyone what I really think all the time. And then I'd be fine. I'd just go back to being, you know, Chad Banner here. <laughs> like the, the green would melt away until the next time I got furious. <laughs> <laughs> Just you uh, just share slapping everyone. <laughs> snap out of it, or I will. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Seth Martell is here. If you're watching the video, providing tech support today because we are doing a fashion photo review in a few minutes. Hi, Seth. How are you? Hello. Seth's like, I, you didn't tell me how to talk. <laughs> Uh, so I uh, I have to give a shout out to my husband, who X-Men is to me what uh, drag queens are to him. And this has been, he, he tolerates my podcast because he doesn't know who any of the people I interview are. But this has been the first episode. He's genuinely like, oh my God, you're hunting Tay Momo and next exclamation point on. And he's so thrilled. So Michael, uh, this one's for you uh, from my own space. So I'd love to start with, I like to begin a lot of my interviews with just asking a little bit about your nerd journey. But if you want to tie that into your drag journey, I'd be thrilled to hear that. What is your origin story as a queer kid who loved the X-Men? We have kind of our own version of this story. Uh, Tate, can we start with you? Um, in terms of, if we're just talking about the X-Men, I'm like, you know, born 1990. So I'm 90s kid through and through. All the Jim Lee stuff, obviously, you know, my entire childhood would have been defined by all of the cartoons from the early 90s. So I I was, you know, Batman, the animated series, Spider-Man, the animated series, X-Men, the animated series. So, you know, my whole obsession as a child was X-Men. And, you know, I, I used to have this weird, like, fantasy in my head that, like, the X-Men actually lived in my backyard and they were all there. And I always wanted to be them. And that pretty much ties into what a lot of us, uh, when we eventually become drag performers, I think that so many of us actually are really nerdy because most of the Toronto performers that I know also are. And I think that most of us view superheroes, especially superheroines, as like drag queens. That's what they are, the big hair. The bodies, the outfits, like we grow up and we're like, okay, now I get to dress like those girls. Okay, I'm gonna do that. Uh, uh, that was like a mix of phenomenal and fantastic coming out of my mouth. Phenomenal is what I almost said. So I'll just leave it there. Phenomenal. <laughs> over over to Dax. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much the same story, I guess, because, you know, superheroes are definitely just drag queens. Um, that's, I mean, like, you can't look at a comic book from the 90s or even the 60s or the 50s or any comic book ever, pretty much. Any, any like, you know, um, uh, superhero, uh, female superhero is definitely 
uh, a drag queen just punching stuff. Um, I mean, so like for me, my first issue was Uncanny X-Men number 300, the anniversary issue um, with the holographic cover by John Rita Jr. Um, I have several copies. One is framed and signed. You're welcome. Um, and it, it, for me, it was like just seeing Storm for the first time. Um, just the way he draws Storm specifically um, is one of my favorite um, iterations of Storm. I love how big her hair always was. I love... Like, like 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 little little braids and beads and just like kind of thrown into her hair. I loved her giant boots. I loved her shoulder pads. Um, so definitely, you know, the costumes and you know her cheekbones are what really drew me in originally. Um, and you know the cartoon, obviously, like you know watching that every week religiously um, had played a very large role in my upbringing. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah. Typical drag queen, uh, typical nerd to drag queen pipeline, I guess. Um, you know, because one day you kind of get to the point where it's like, especially with my drag career, I got to a point where I was kind of like, why am I not just being Storm all the time? That's all I ever wanted to do anyway. So, like, why am I, like, trying to, like, pull off a Rihanna look or, like, a Beyonce look? It's like, it's not, I, I'm a fan, but am I as big a fan of, like, Beyonce or Rihanna as I am Storm? Absolutely not. Like, there's, there's no comparison. So, it kind of just kind of morphed into um just focusing solely on cosplay just because i was tired of pretending like that wasn't my entire goal with drag to begin with you know and amanda i don't remember whether or not we covered this again i this is i don't know how many episodes this is for me now you just i just will keep inviting you back because you're delightful so people can hear the same story twice it's okay um, but, but again so i so apologies to those people who might have heard this previously on an appearance here on the podcast but um i my entryway into comics was uh the first marvel trading card series uh and i got the shadow cat card and just and by uh arthur arthur adams and i absolutely fell in love and my second card was rachel summers who i'm currently dressed as today and um i just got so intrigued as to who these characters were and uh, that, you know, there was all this uh, interconnected, like, backstory with them. Uh, the first issue that I got, my cousin gave me Excalibur number 11, which is a weird place to start because it's literally uh, the Nazi Excalibur are there. And you're just like, why are there Nazis here? Um, and, th and then they go off onto the cross time caper. So, like, it was kind of like a weird spot. To, to to start um but then uh, but that was you know obviously like a, an older issue uh but then when i went to the comic book store and i bought my first issue by myself it was excalibur 40 which is the trial of lockheed where he literally gives the entire origin story of all of the members of excalibur which was such a good like introductory issue um and uh from that like i just got obsessed with who all of these characters were and uh, with collecting the cards and like reading everybody's backstories. Uh, and so like, I was already like pretty nerdy as a kid. Uh, we I played a lot of GI Joe with like my brothers and cousins growing up. Uh, I watched Star Trek. I, uh, I, we did play some role-playing games. We played uh, Rift, if anybody remembers that one. I don't even know if that's still even a thing anymore. Um, but anyway, uh, and so, like, as then I got older, and, I mean, I started drag, I say 10 years ago, it's been longer, don't look into it too hard, 
Um, but uh, pretty much like it started with me trying to to do superhero looks and always wanting to have that aesthetic, much like uh, Tay and Dax said, where it's just like, I already looked up to these like female characters who were so amazing that it's like, well, if, if I'm going to dress like a woman or, or female presenting, then I want to dress like the people that I already idolize. Um, and now I get to dress up as Rachel Summers in this literally one panel uh, costume that she wore at the end of Excalibur 71 for literally one panel. And like, that's always my favorite thing to do. I love the obscure stuff that makes me happy as well. Demanda and I have had a couple of really frank conversations about drag culture these days and what is happening in our country. And I just, I know all three of you are just fierce, incredible warriors and the work that you're doing matters so much. I am raising two queer children. Uh, drag has always been part of their lives in that we go to drag bingo and we watch drag race and they like to put blankets on their heads and pretend they're drag queens and dance around the room sometimes like any kid does if they're having fun with something and it's just a wonderful normal lovely thing uh i uh i, I don't know that that's a question so much it's just a thank you for the incredible work that you're doing and if you guys want to say anything about what that's like these days i'm happy to hear well first and foremost uh towels work better um probably, uh, <laughs> Uh, generally colors like, like you know, yellow and goldenrod and, like, you know, red, things that look like hair. Um, they also work really well when they're wet, too. It's nice, like, like, nice, like, kind of like a slick situation. That's just a note from um, a professional. <laughs> My, uh, I hope they don't murder me for this. We all, we've all selected our drag names if we were ever to be drag queens. My, my name would be Hilda Dion. Like the uh, hill to die on. My husband is a uh, celery Clinton. Uh, our, okay. youngest, <laughs> our, our youngest is uh, is Grandma Joe, and uh, our oldest chose the name Chinchilla Beltoven, which is so fancy. I uh, honestly work. It's so, I honestly, it's so dumb I'm and so it. wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes literally zero sense. I'm into it. So. <laughs> But who is Grandma Joe? What is that story like? <laughs> they, they, uh, my youngest uses they them pronouns. They are create these little storylines, and Grandma Joe's like an immortal, super buff grandma who's been alive for a jillion years and has like stretchy arms. It's this whole thing. They've done sure. the comic strips. <laughs> Work. I love that. I love into that. Into it. Into it. I'm loving this concept. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna jump into fashion review in a moment. What do you guys look? for when it comes to fashion. Keeping in mind, uh, everything we're gonna do today is very period fashion in that we are spending time uh, in the 1960s. Uh, what do you look for in a good look? I, as we all know, I love a stupid headpiece. The more, the more <laughs> ridiculous, the more completely like impractical, uh, the more it's gonna like dig into my forehead and cause me bodily harm. I'm I'm into it. I I love stupid headpieces. I th I think that's the one of the things that really got me into like a lot of the characters that I like is like oh she's wearing a dumb headpiece. I bet she's cool. <laughs> and that is that is that is true. Um, I've known Demanda for a very long time, and I can definitely attest that Demanda loves a stupid headpiece. Um, that will inevitably leave scars on her face. It's just gonna happen eventually. Um, for me, I look at shoes. 
the 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 like the least practical footwear, the better. Like, how are you running and jumping and fighting robots or whatever in these like stripper heels? Let's talk about it. And I mean, like, definitely like, you know, being at a convention, it always feels kind of like um, you know, like if Storm can do this, if Catwoman can do this, I can get through this one day. <laughs> like, you know, it's that feeling. So definitely I look at footwear. Okay. I think. I also want to echo the footwear statement. Like if this costume has a thigh high, I'm a thousand percent on board with it. Yep. Also gloves, mm -hmm. I'm like an opera glove or a Love fingerless a short glove. I'm into uh, accessories make the outfit for me. Cause sometimes like, you know, with some characters it's just a little bodysuit, but then it's the, all the accessories that make the outfit. But other than that, I don't know. I just. Yeah. I, I also am in love with like a salt, like solid color blocking. Like I love, like I love, especially uh, sort of like so, like some of the early costumes. Like if you think about like Beast costume, where it's like that blue down the sides, but like the red down the middle. Like I love color blocking. Uh, a lot of the uh, I would say um, all new, all different X Men also kind of had like some cool like where it's like ge like geomet geometrical shapes on their suits like i'm also fully down for all of that too yeah unnecessary body suits like definitely like like you know seams and he doesn't even need i mean it's just a jumpsuit why make it complicated because <laughs> right. it should be complicated <laughs> right right yeah. and, and, and yeah. like and like looking at it trying to figure out where how they actually get into this outfit like mm -hmm. how, how is this how is this holding up what is going on again again as cosplayers and drag queens looking at costumes and being like how can I make that an actual thing that goes on my body? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it's like something that's like, oh, just sorry. Oh no, you're good. Oh no, sorry, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so for today, the the weird little queer nerd in me was picturing uh, it's the Hellfire Gala, and the X Men are walking the runway, and we have hired three incredible drag queens to judge their looks. Now, a lot of the images you're going to see come from the characters' handbook entries in the 1980s, simply because we get a better full-body image of those character suits in those. Uh, but I also pulled a lot of imagery from the original books as we're going through these as well. So, uh, listeners, I know you're listening to this audio, but we do have a video of this available on the Patreon if you would like to watch this and look at the looks as we go through. I'll also be posting some images online as we go. So we're going to start with the X-Men. And uh, let's begin with uh, the first uh, costume. We're starting with Angel in his original blue and yellow. The original blue and yellows. I, I so I'm gonna go with picked. I do not like the original. They're 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 baggy. They look like they look like if you if they were to turn around, they'd have like saggy butt. Like the, like they're not tailored properly. Um, it's and and also like the full head condom. The only person, in my opinion, who has really pulled off in the X Men universe that's really pulled off like the full head condom is Cyclops. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fully agree. I mean, like I love the classic blue and yellow because it's so iconic. Um, but it did feel like they were trying way too hard. Like it felt like they were just like like, like they didn't really know what the X Men were going to be yet. And you know, with the Fantastic Four, for, for example, it's like they're matching uniforms like really signify them as who they are but with the x-men i don't think it really works like i mean like i love a uh, matching color palette but i don't love identical costumes all, all all over the place um so yeah i'm gonna go with the kick 
Yeah, I'll agree too, because a big part of it is the fit and they're I they they're kind of awkward and I tend to find that I prefer when more modern artists draw them than how they originally appeared because they change the cut of the briefs and they change the belt color, but it's it's too generic and the fit isn't great. Kicked for me. Uh, and I forgot to mention, instead of toot or boot, we're using snicked or kicked on this show. So snicked means uh, it's it's three claws up and then kicked means it's three claws down. Uh, let's go to the next suit. This is Angel's uh, classic Avenging Angel look. It's the red with the black and the halo and the yellow shorts. What do you think? Yeah, Warren has always had interesting taste. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, like up until like he became Archangel, his costumes were always just like, okay, that's a choice. Like, I mean, you know, it's a bird, it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I want to like it because it's so campy. I like the shapes it's making. Um, but also I hate when Warren like has to carry like a gun or like some kind of weapon. I mean, we get it, like, you know, you've got hollow bones, you've got to stay at a distance because you know, you can lose a limb easily. But like I just he's I'ma say no. Like he's just trying too hard. <laughs> like so I wanna I wanna like it, but I'ma say no. It's it's a, it's kicked for me. This is this is like the stepping stone to my favorite suit, which is like his like blue and white angel costume, where it's also been like red and white. Mm -hmm. This, so it's like, this is like the stepping stone. Like also, you know, in the sixties, like the primary color suits were definitely like, you have to go with primary colors because they're dynamic and like, they're so <laughs> interesting. This is like, you, you're not going to surprise anybody by wearing bright red flying in the sky. Um, so th this is, a, this is a kicked for me. And the yellow briefs, Ma'am, no, thank you. Yeah, but yeah, they should have been black, definitely, to go with like like the whole like you know color blocking of the whole, of the rest of the suit. But also, you know, it's important to, to remember that like the color choices are also because of printing uh, availability. Right, um, right. You know, so it's just easier to just go with like just solid primary colors. You know, it's less less hassle. Yeah, no, none of this none of this makes sense for the character. Like, why are you first of all? Why are you in all red when your name is Angel? And what does the yellow and the black have to do with that as well? It's just odd choices all around. The belt is weird, the gun, and even, no, nothing about it works at all. The only thing I like is the halo. Uh, for another halo, let's go to the next look. Except, oh, this isn't a halo yet. Never mind. This is Jean Grey's design of Angel's yellow tunic red tights. I call it his ketchup and mustard era. I, mean, I Jean, listen. Jean also yeah. is very questionable with her taste. Wise, she, <laughs> she she did some good stuff, like some of some of the other X Men. But she did Warren dirty, and I even feel like it might be on purpose that she did him dirty with this. But this costume is absolutely atrocious. It is the hands down worst costume that Angel has ever worn. It's so terrible. I kind of love it. <laughs> like, like if somebody at the convention one day walks by in this outfit, I'm getting a picture immediately with them. Um, but yeah, Jean's taste, like you know. But it was it was it was the time period. You know, you could be a housewife, a model, a fashion designer, apparently, a charter <laughs> pilot, only, a charter pilot. The only jobs women are, are is that list. Um, but like 
what's with these like like like, like fetishy boots? Are those pyramid studs or are those like weird laces? I, I feel like they're pyramid studs. I'm hoping they're pyramid studs. Um, again, the head con is back. This weird tunic situation, like what? I I like I like the belt. It's just all over the place. So. Just because it's so stupid, I'm gonna say snicked. I'm gonna like it because it's just so dumb. It's just, it's that, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay, <laughs> is it a snicker kick for you? Oh God. You know, the weird thing is I feel like Professor Xavier would have had enough money to commission Jan to design some costumes for his kids, but instead he was handing out that job to Jean and she has questionable taste. This is a kick for me. And the question that I've always had specifically about this look is, are those red straps pieces of fabric on the bodysuit? Or is it like a suspender situation? I feel like it's suspenders. Suspenders uh, and belt. Yeah. <laughs> the way I imagine it is that like, it's like, 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 like a slingshot coming off the belt for literally no reason. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, I love it. I love it. Let's go to Angel's final look. This is the Magneto designed classic angel look. Thoughts? Mm, yeah, I mean it's it's classic. It's timeless. Like, I mean, again, I'm not a huge fan of Warren just in general, but this look is like iconic Warren. You know, um, so yeah, I'm into it. Uh, like again, uh, like the fact that Magneto is the one who's like, so Warren, I know you have a lot of money, but you have terrible taste. Let me show you. <laughs> how to look like a superhero this is and still to this day in my opinion his his best look any variation of this i'm usually pretty good with but this is like my all-time favorite warren even like the bare chest champions look this is still superior to that yeah this is a this is a snicks for me this is my personal favorite costume for angel as well i just like how clean and simple it is just the combination of the white with the blue, just it's perfect. I like it. Yeah, and the and the color blocking is nice. It's interesting that like things are still at kind of like interesting angles. Um, like even even at his neck, he has like that blue that comes down his neck. Like it's it's interesting. It's visually interesting, mm -hmm. but still being simple. Yeah, and it's flattering. You know, like definitely this is like a look that you could like wear in real life, and it would actually be flattering on a real person. You know, right? And and the fact that he's like obviously super like built, he can wear. Mm -hmm. This man yeah. can pull this suit off or keep it on. It's fine. <laughs> Let's go to the next look. Uh, here's Beast in his original. The fact that he wore gloves with this original <laughs> suit is so like, for why? Gloves and no shoes. You <laughs> <laughs> forgot, ma'am. Like, yeah. I, I again, like the classic suits are just classic, so I respect them. But like, are they flattering? Not really. Um, like his pants don't even fit. Like he's wearing a, a trash bag on his legs. His and these feet, like girl, like I get that like your whole thing is monkey feet or whatever, but you know, you're in public. You're in New York walking on the streets. Like maybe put a sock on at least. Like, I mean, people pee there. Don't do that. <laughs> uh did you have an opinion on this one? I think that covers it. <laughs> Let's yeah, go to the next Beast look then. Here we have Beast in his classic red and blue, Jean Grey designed look. The, so yeah. 
before Beast transformation to like gray or blue furry bees, this is this is my my favorite beast look, I will say. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, something I mean, you know, very it's, nostalgic it's, about oh, it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh it's classic. I mean, like it fits better, obviously. The color palette's better. I mean, again, still no shoes, so I'm mad about that. But it is, you know, it's a solid look. It it is also interesting that it's like he's not worried about fingerprints, but he needs to make sure that his face is covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh let's keep going to the next one. Uh Cyclops in his classic blue and yellow. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I, I mean again, like Scott, like, you know, he pulls off the head condom, definitely. Yes. And like I feel like the suit was designed for him specifically and everyone else was just like, um, here's your copy too, I guess, you know? <laughs> um, so like on him, it works. On literally anybody else, it's like, it, it, it feels like they're wearing someone else's clothes. So um, I'm for it. I will go with it. I suit. agree. I, I, I was, I was going to say, uh, same thing, like the, the snick. It's like Xavier, when he was like planning a team because Cyclops was first, he was like, oh, th- this is really great. It'll be flattering on everyone, much like Bryce dresses. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's it's not. And then also the, sincerely yours, Scott Summers. <laughs> he just hands us out. That's just what he does. It's his whole, whole thing. Cyclops's second look is his uh classic Jean Grey design as well. More yellow briefs. She has a thing for those. <laughs> But at the same time, like this, again, like this is the template for everything else that Cyclops has ever worn. And mm. it, it there's so many things right with it, which is why he keeps coming back to the sort of like the head, the head condom and the blue and yellow um, mm. that just, it just works for him for whatever reason. So yeah, this is a big stick for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully great. I mean, it's just like such a classic, like, you know that Scott whenever you see this look. So, yes, I am for it. That's a snicked for me. Yeah. The interesting thing about Cyclops is that visually, the thing that makes him iconic is this. So it's the head and everything else is kind of secondary to that. And I think that that's why so many of his costumes work and why they're so easily recognizable is because you're already working from this and everything else kind of goes with it, but yeah, one of my favorites for his, so that's a snick for me. And now we have Cyclops in his classic Eric the Red disguise. <laughs> Love what? it, learn everything about it. <laughs> no and, problems like, The here. fact that this no, is like no. free Emma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was always a freak. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not and even a question. Scott Scott has always been, been a bottom, we know. Um, that's, that's just facts, yeah, that's a fact. But but like, it's like it's like he obviously like sliding time scale. It's like he googled, I need to look evil. What should I wear? And it's like harnesses, dumb headpiece, weird ass boots. It's so it's it's so wild. I also do love the Eric the Red just look in general, and the fact that many people have worn it, and it's. Very confusing as to how these three different people have worn the same suit, and it makes zero sense why they would. But it's a big stick for me. Like I, I'm into it. It's just so, it's so weird. Like, what is this corset with? Like, again, what gay it's art? It's art demands out. <laughs> <laughs> what it's art and it's fashion. <laughs> it's fashion. 
Like what what gay event is he going to? Uh all of them, obviously. <laughs> he does have an X on his chest. There's yeah. still the hint. I, I I really want like someone like Nerd Alert cosplay to like make this suit. That oh, would be amazing. He on his list. You know it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to the next look. Here we have Lorna Dane her, in her classic Jim Steranko cover, her original costume. I've always loved this look. I mean, it's just so like 60s and spacey and like mythical feeling. I mean, I, I've never fully understood all of the elements to it, like the skull and the headpiece and the filigree pattern and the lace-up boots. Like, it's like, it's it's in theme, but it's not in theme. Like, I mean, I still love it because it, because it is Lorna, but it's just like, it... Yeah, it, I, I don't get what the theme of this really was. Like, I don't really understand, like, what the original plan for this looked yeah, like. Yeah, like, like, like the sort of, like, royalty daughter of Magneto thing that they were going mm. for with it. Like, it, it kind of makes sense. Obviously, the later redesign, when she got shot into space with, like, Havoc and, and everyone, like, it's, like, this, but better. Better. Um, mm -hmm. Like I still love this this classic suit because again, just like Doc said, it doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, it's also like it's also very strange to me that like so Lorna constantly is being mind controlled and changed clothes by different people who are mind controlling her or whatever, and she just like keeps the outfits that they put her in. <laughs> I mean, it's a cute look. I get it. And also, it's free drag. Let's go. <laughs> I always have, like, a version of this when I think about it in my head that looks better than this. And I think it's because of the modern version that we got. So I appreciate that this exists because of what it gave us later. But there's very little that actually makes sense when I look at it. Like the headpiece, I know Amanda loves her silly little headpiece, but it's strange because it looks like a, that like one dinosaur. I don't know if you know that one. And then like yeah. I don't understand I'm the sitting right because here, you know her titties gonna pop right out. Like, <laughs> mm -mm. Uh, and also, question: Is it only got one strap around the arm, or is it just is it just a weird drawing? Like what? I just <laughs> oh, was I didn't even see that or she moves just like her oh, oh, oh. yeah or she's like just like oh hang on what if at a key moment in the fight all of a sudden my uniform off to fight yes let's go to lorna's second look from the 60s uh slight variation on the first with some key differences the boots are a little different the headpiece is a little different the the, 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 the yellow is not is not a good look for her. No, I I, no. I want to say I feel like they were trying to go more lime, but it just ended up being yellow. Um, but yeah, no, that this this one's a kicked for me. Like the the color choices are wrong, and it is over the arms and, this time on both. And, and again, like the headpieces, it's like it's like I feel like there was such a long period of time where like they just like wanted Lorna to have a dumb headpiece, but they could not figure out what that should be. And this one is definitely not the move. Um, 
I mean, and like, again, back to the skulls. Like, I love skulls. They're a great motif, but I, not for her. I don't, it's not really, like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't love it. Um, yeah, that's going to be a no for me. Yeah. No, yeah, they didn't. That headpiece is strange. And like, <laughs> the fit on her head looks like when people try to draw penises on them. <laughs> bathroom stalls. That's what that looks like to me. Even the eye bit looks like balls. I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next image. Here we have Havoc in his oh no, I've been captured look. I mean, Listen. sir, you better work. <laughs> I, love, I love that even in his very first appearance, it's like you are gonna be just like someone's fuckboy. Yes. Yeah, I, I love how the Summers men are all just just giant whores. I love it. It's just great. Yeah, uh, Alex is always um, always a win for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, obviously, for. like the the uh, cultural uh, implications of this is not great because uh, what was the guy's name? The living the model? living pharaoh. Oh, the living pharaoh. Um, like that's not cute, but it's also like he he couldn't help that. But also. <laughs> I, again, people love to capture him and just like make him wear slutty clothes, which is yeah, great Same. for us. <laughs> and, then let's, and then let's go to Havoc's, uh, Havoc's classic look. Love it. I love, I it, love it. It's so dumb. It's again, it's so simple. And like the headpiece is so dumb. It's so, so dumb. Stupid. But for whatever reason, I love it and it works. Mm -hmm. I never get tired of the stupid headpiece look. Um, I. I, it, it, it's dumb, but I love it. Like, it, like when I think of Havoc, I think of this first and foremost, always. Well, uh, the cheese will stand alone over here because I've never liked this. I always felt like it made him older. And I think it's I also that. that I just have that heavy nostalgia for his 90s X Factor costume. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm always like, mm, it's a no for me. Okay, next look. Uh, Iceman in his lumpy snowman form. It's a hat, <laughs> carrot, and a pair of boots. Listen, when, when a gay is uncomfortable, they're going to try to pull out all the stops to make you laugh. <laughs> and, and like st standing next to Warren and Cyclops and Beast, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't look as hot as them. Because especially he literally is in boots and a Speedo. Like he doesn't get like a full uniform. So he's like, I'm going to be a snowman. <laughs> so dumb. It's still kicked for me. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I never liked his like original uh, look. I feel like it wasn't like thought out very well. I mean, I got what they were, what they thought they were doing. Um, it just never really came together for me. It was, uh, I, I hated Bobby for so long because I hated like classic, like, you know, original kind of Bobby. I mean, I got into him in the 90s. Um, obviously, but like early Iceman, I was just like, why is this guy even here? Um, yeah, it's gonna be a hard no, that's a hard kick. And yeah. then I oh I'm sorry, take go ahead. Yeah, the 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 snow version of it is just it lacks character and it's just like Frosty's on the team. <laughs> and then let's go to Iceman's classic look. He is now we're getting so ice in uh icy briefs with a belt and some boots on. Yeah. 
I mean, it's Bobby. It's classic. I mean, um, I always, I you know, you, you always kind of like wonder, like, is he really just wearing a speedo, or is it that he's like just co- he's wearing a full suit but then covered? But it's fun to imagine just like being ice in a speedo, running around trying to fight robots or whatever. Yeah, um, or, yeah. Or, or is he it. just naked and it's an ice speedo? <laughs> it could, it could be that too. He's a weirdo. Uh, I th- this this is a, a snicked for me. It's it's his classic look. It's like the defined the chi- like the chiseled ice. It's just mm-hmm. like again, w- and when you first think of Iceman, this is what you think of. It's Super Surfer. Is that you? Oh, never mind. You have a snowball. One hundred percent. What were you saying, Tay? No, yeah, it's perfect. No notes. No notes. Okay. Like next it. next look is just one single image of Professor X in what he appeared in throughout most of the 1960s. Blanket on the legs, jacket, sweater look. I love a good turtleneck blazer moment. (laughs) I just always get the sense that I, especially before the yellow hover chair, you just always get the sense that Professor Xavier's just really cold. He's constantly (laughs) got that blanket. He's always up to here. So I feel sorry. Oh, for him. At least it's stylish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, like it's I mean, it's a simple look. It's fine. You can like, I guess, like sit by the fire in that all you want, because he looks chilly. You are not incorrect, ma'am. Um, I mean, I still I just I don't know. Uh, th- this version of Xavier, I always like, felt like I'm like, I don't trust you literally at all. Because like there's always been like something like, like just like sinister about him, just like in his like blanket and his sweater just like staring <laughs> you know um, what's he yeah. hiding under that blanket <laughs> as his telepathic eyes hover in the corner uh and now it's the one we've <laughs> all been waiting for at least from the x-men let's talk marvel girl here she is in her original costume with the headpiece and the pigtails and the yellow and blue the the head I... condom is never a good look on a female character no it just never works it's mm. not this. This is a kicked for me. Yeah, I mean, it again. It's back to the you know whole thing of like it, the look was made for Scott, and everyone else kind of gets like, a copy of it. Um, it was never very flattering on her. I mean, again, it's iconic because it's recognizable, but it's not a good look. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a kick for me. I will yeah. say I do love like the classic way they drew. Uh, so both her and Sue's uh, like telekinesis or like invisibility stuff where it's just like the dotted lines that is kind of fun yeah uh okay let's go to her second costume here is uh, a variation on the first with more of a v-neck and a kitty cat mask so as we know as someone who cosplays this look i love it it is it is a definite favorite of mine uh i again i love a stupid mask i love that dax made me one it's amazing. Uh, yes. It's uh, it's it's like the classic training uniform. So like that's that's all cool because again everybody everybody had one. Um, yeah, I, it's I, I think of this era. This is my my preferred look for her. Yeah, I mean I love the mask um, because again it makes literally zero sense. Um, um, I mean. I don't love this look for Jean personally, only because like I'm I, just because I know like the dress comes later and I'm waiting for the dress to happen. Um, I yeah, I mean I I I never really understood her mask thing. I mean I like the mask, I like making the mask, I like wearing the mask. 
I never really understood the mask. Um, I'm going to say no, unfortunately. I'm going I'm to say kicked for me. Yeah. It's overall an improvement from the original just because the hair's out, the neckline is better, but it's still too generic. I mean, I guess the X-Men are still wearing team uniforms at that point, but it's still too generic for characters that have, you know, so much that's unique about them. So it, I like it in theory, aesthetically, it's great, but for Jean, nah. And then Jean's uh, next look is the ever classic green mini dress, a variation on the kitty cat mask, except it's yellow, yellow gloves, yellow boots, yellow belt. What are your thoughts? I love this outfit. I wear this outfit. I have this outfit. Um, so I'm I'm always into it. Like I feel like it's so like perfectly like 60s and you know that's like 60s era jean um i know people are divided on the green dress situation and yes it is not practical to go into battle wearing a cocktail dress but you know choices were made um, uh yeah i'm into it i love it i think it's i think it's one of my favorite looks of hers from um this era for sure i do love this look and i think that it's it's very uh, of the era of like, oh, we have a girl on the team. She obviously needs a skirt and her like new cute flip hair is very cute with, you know, still with the mask. It's a very cute look. I do agree that like her going back to this look in the more recent Krakoa era was like a weird call. And like they said that it was for a reason and then never explained it, which is kind of annoying. Um, but it, it's a cute, it's a solid look. I still love it. Yeah, I love it too. The mod aesthetic of it is always going to hit just right for me. Everything about the cut of the dress is correct. And it's, there, there's very little not to love about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's always going to be a snick for me as long as it's the nostalgia factor and set in the 60s and that stuff. It doesn't need to be brought back. So and the you know that, and you know that, like the look works when they literally designed a character in DC Comics just based on this look alone. <laughs> like Lilith slash Omen, the whole reason they brought her over was because they wanted a Jean Grey style character and literally put her in a version of this costume for the longest time. So we know it works. The next few images are from Jean's very brief career as a swimsuit model. <laughs> so just give me, give me a one or two word reaction to each look. Uh, what would you think of the first suit? Snacks. Mary Jane Watson is so mad right now. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next one. We've got the green polka dots. Gigantic is furious. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I love a monokini, so I'm into it, yeah. Uh, next. It is the blue zigzag bikini. This is a this is a no for me. No, thank this, you. This is something the wasp would show up to in battle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this was a hard choice and a miss. That's a no for me. And then next, it is the blue and yellow. I don't know how to describe this one bikini. I, I'm into it. I like the pattern. Yeah, I'm. Again. I'm, in, I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one is the zebra. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that. Yeah. We got I it. Mean, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's very reminiscent of like classic Barbie. 
Yeah. Yes. Mary Jane Watson is quaking somewhere. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay, so in round two, we're calling this friends or foes. And I'm going to have each of you take turns. So, uh, Dax, I'm going to have you take the first look. You'll do the snickter kicked. And then we'll go to Tay for the second look, Demanda for the third, etc. Does that sound okay? Okay, cool. sure. Okay, so these are all 60s allies and or enemies of the X-Men in their classic looks. Uh, Seth, go ahead and get us started. Dax, what do you think I... of Banshee's classic look? I love this look so much. I've always loved this look. Absolutely snagged for me. Uh, let's go to the next one. Hey, what do you think of the Mimic? Oh, this one's a kick for me. Absolutely nothing about this works. Brown and orange, no. <laughs> and then the next one? Demanda, the classic oh, Scarlet Witch. No, oh, you know, that's my absolute favorite. I absolutely love it. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you got your weird headpiece. I you. know it's it's my absolute favorite. It's one of my favorite headpieces to wear. <laughs> uh, let's go next. We have classic Quicksilver for Dax. Again, I don't understand this look. I mean, I get what they think they're doing, but green was always a weird choice for Quicksilver. Um, so that's uh, it's gonna be a hard no for me. I mean, I like the lightning bolt like safety patrol belt in theory. Uh, no, it's gonna be hard, no, no. And then next is Classic oh. Magneto for Tech. Now come on now, this is a snake, this is iconic. Can't go wrong with this. And then we have Magneto in his brief career as the creator for Demand. <laughs> this is, this is a kick for me. Like, what is going on with this? This like yellow brown jumpsuit with like the weird technology that does nothing. No, thank you. It's a kick. And next is the changeling for Tay. <laughs> I think Dax has this one. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, listen. Would Demanda wear this? 100% yes. That stupid headpiece, these weird colors, the hip flares. <laughs> I mean, like, it's so insane. I love it because I know it's bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't, I mean, yes for me, but no, because that's the correct answer. <laughs> uh, let's have Tay take the next one then. It is Juggernaut. Snicked because it is iconic and you can't put this man in nothing else really, but it's the oddest thing. He's just a giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> And let's go next. We have Mastermind and his classic look of uh, the... I don't know how to describe this, actually. I, mean, it, 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 I, I don't understand, like, the capelet over the business jacket. Um, but, like, for, as someone who's an illusionist who can, like, obviously make himself look like anything, it, it works for me. I mean, is he still, like, an ugly old dude? And so it's weird that he has a bunch of kids. Sure, who are also all super hot, by the way. Um, their mom, all of their moms must have been like really hot. Um, but yeah, it, it it's a it's a snicked meaning that it fits the character, not that it like really looks good or impressive. Next, we have Toad in his classic look over to Dax. Uh, I mean, like again, because like on him, it's iconic and it makes sense. But 
fashion wise was it ever a good look no it was not um, but yeah just be yeah so um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say snicks because it works on him and literally no one else yeah okay let's go next we have the submariner for uh Corte. oh you know this is a snake the less clothing somebody's wearing the better perfect <laughs> no notes none but we have accessories there's bracelets too <laughs> Can't forget the can't forget the wings on the ankles either. Those are very very important. <laughs> I love a fucking Namor cosplayer. So there, you know, there's Namor cosplay, whom we yeah. all know is super hot. But like, there's a bunch of them, and I'm just like, bless you, just bless you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next look, we have Sunfire in his classic costume for Demanda. It's very, again, like the dumb headpiece I'm into. His outfit is very, like, it works for his powers. It works for, like, the fact that he's very much like, I'm Japanese. Um, but it is, I, I like it, but it is such a weird, weird design. I'm still going to give it a snicked. We did talk about this costume at length in our episode with Sunfire and Fabian DC. As I go back and give that a listen for the historical implications of this costume. Uh, let's go to the next look. Uh, the Vanisher over to Dax. <laughs> I mean, I just want to know, is this all like cable knit or like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, like, is it crocodile skin? Is it or is it knit? I don't know. Um, it, it's a strong choice. It is definitely a strong choice. I'm going to say no because it's just... It's too bad even for me. So yes, that's a kid. Also always confused with him is, is it a collar or is it a headpiece? Like a hat. Yeah. Or is it a hood? It's, <laughs> not, it's meant to represent, it's it's meant to re like uh, replicate like a cobra. So it's like a headpiece coming out the back to frame his head. Work, bitch, you better work. <laughs> Let's go to the next image. Uh, the blob in his classic 60s costume forte. Ah. It's a kick for me because I feel like they a thousand percent could have actually given him a you know an actual costume, and this is just briefs, so it's yeah. a kick for me. That's fair. Next costume is Mesmero for Demanda. Listen, the strong Disney villain uh, color scheme is is a yes for me, but like, what is going on here? Like the skirt <laughs> and the cape and the weird like neck piece and then like the hell is it a helmet or is that like his head no it's, it's a helmet ma'am <laughs> it's a hat <laughs> it's 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 a it's a kick for me it's a no uh, and the m on his belt uh and then you just the untouchable over to dax i mean listen it's it's clean it's very of the period again we're, we're doing knitwear again uh, <laughs> like i love how he like he's like I know what this union suit needs. A high-waisted tanny. <laughs> it's completely unhinged. These boots are hot, though. I'm into it. I'm going to snick. Uh, and then the next one for Tay is a grotesque. The man who killed Professor X, except he didn't. I mean... <laughs> For what it is, you know what, for what it is, looking like something off of the planet apocalypse, I'm going to give it a snicked. It works. <laughs> Including the cloth over the furry panties. 
It's very He-Man villain. It's yes, one hundred percent. Like it's the toy. That's the toy. To run. <laughs> and then next image set. Demando, we have Kesar in his classic loincloth bracelets and boots. I mean, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> next image is uh, Craven the Hunter for Dax. I love Craven's outfit so much because it's just completely unhinged. And like this version with these like giant cone spikes on the belt and like the lion head with the with with the main cape and then and then we have like leopard pants and a ballet flat. Like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love his outfit cuz it is completely ridiculous. Pretty much all kitty theme except for the belt. Um, did you notice? Idea. Did you notice? There's even the lion's ears. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's got it. It's got it here somehow. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I love Craven Down, but it's so stupid. Um, yes, snitch for me always. Aaron um, Taylor Johnson had better women. Oh, he better. He better. Uh, he next image. Uh, we have the living monolith for Tay. This is the guy that the living pharaoh turns into. Now, see, the only thing that I can think about is what that would feel like to actually wear it. Because <laughs> I'm like, that cannot be comfortable. That is just <laughs> painful and cold. And I can't imagine what that does to your genitals. And I just... And it's I mean, the, the high-waisted moment of it too where it's like a wrestling singlet but but metal metallic I, I yeah i love it because it's a metal singlet i think that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen in my life so yes <laughs> I, I love it personally <laughs> uh next image set uh classic sauron over i mean listen he wants to turn people into dinosaurs it 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 works for him like i, I you know i i more particularly like it when he has like the ragged pants, uh, you know, because like they rip, they they rip off mm -hmm. when he turns into a pterodactyl. But I, <laughs> I love Sauron. He is so wild. Okay, and then our final round is going to be just a quick one. I've assembled some some X Men characters, but mostly allies. Uh, these are all characters that were introduced in the 60s and or early 70s that were part of Marvel. Let me just hear your quick hot takes uh, for this last round. We have women of the 60s. Uh, let's begin. We've got Princess Python. Bitch, you better I love work. it. I love it. I, lo I love a snake theme. I love, I love that she's wearing scale legging slash boots slash undersuit. <laughs> She will never be able to get, get that ever. Um, her feet must be in pain. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, next one. Crystal. My girl. Take away, girl. <laughs> yes. I want that on my body. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next. We have Medusa. Oh, on my list. My I love Medusa so much. She's been on my list for the longest time. Um, yeah, this is a solid Medusa look. Like the yes. bathing suit, the boots. Just all this stupid hair. <laughs> the, yeah, I, well, I, I, I love I love this belt in particular. This mm, design. Yeah. In particular. How much does that wig weigh? At least 95 pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> An entire person. <laughs> okay, next one. A moon dragon. Demand to go for it. <laughs> if I looked good in drag bald, 
I would totally fucking do Moon Dragon. She's unhinged. I I love her look. I do like some of her more modern stuff better where she's not just like naked, but it's a solid look. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. We have a Necra. I love this look. I love how like it's like abstract, but also like you get the references. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. This might be the most drag queen look of all that we've seen so far to me. And that's saying something. <laughs> the high I mean, the hair is too the hair is too small, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I also love the fact that Necra is like back. Like she's she's in the Sabretooth book. Uh she's finally dumped that white supremacist that she oh, used God. to date. We'll uh we're we're gonna give uh, Necra some time on my show later this year. I love her. Uh next image is Lorelai. <laughs> I love, her. Go. I love her so much. Oh. Uh, let's keep going. Uh the Enchantress. Yeah. Yes. now. 100 percent Yes. Yes. On on my list, I want this look so bad. Speaking of I drag think... queens, if the Enchantress is not a drag queen, I do not know what, <laughs> what the world means. Hello. Jake, what do you think of this look? Fire. Amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite headpieces, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, the Valkyrie. Yes, I love a, a metal boob moment always. So, I mean, I hate the shoe, but everything else I love. So, yes. The hair is my favorite. The pigtails are wonderful. I love this character. Uh, next image. Uh, Madam Hydra. I love this look so much. I have this look. I wear this look. I love this look. Yes. I I, I love monoch- monochrome green on green on green. Um, the green lip, the green hair, the green boots, the green belt. Yeah. Love it. Into it. Yeah. Perfect. And just a couple more. Wasp. In one of her classic looks. I mean, I Probably love, love Jan. So... <laughs> I, I love Jan. This isn't like my favorite of her looks, but it's cute. I'm into it. I love it. Keep going. I love it. We have the Deadly Nightshade. Uh, I mean, listen, um, Misty Night called. She wants her outfit back. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's a solid, it's a solid look. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on, going on with her face in this image, but uh, it's a solid look, though, regardless. Like, you know, the, the James Bond, like, leather bikini with the like, thigh-high boots and some gloves. Like, yeah, it, you can't go wrong with the look. Is that a zipper on her crotch? Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, last but not least, we have Tiger. Uh, yes. I love her so much. She's been on yeah. my list for entirely too long. So yes, I love Tiger always. I don't know if I've ever felt more free on stage when I did my Tiger look <laughs> to a song entitled Work This Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that takes us to the end of, of our uh, fashion photo review of the 1960s X-Men costumes. Uh, Drag queens, what are your thoughts after uh, sitting with all of these looks and providing a set of opinions? How do you feel? The 60s were unhinged. <laughs> I mean, they had no clue what they were doing. Not at all. Not a single clue. And like, and like you can tell that like the things that then reference people are like, oh, well, I liked what they were trying to do. And so now we're going to make it better. Even with the issues we're going to talk about in a little bit, Alan Davis was like, so these looks were 
good, but I'm going to draw them so they look better. <laughs> like yep. that, like it, because it also was like, you know, to quote the Simpsons, it was a style of the time. It's just kind of like, <laughs> like the, like the art style is also part of like what I didn't like about some of the looks. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, completely unhinged the, like the, especially like someone like the villains of the week where they're just like, I, we need this guy with like fur panties and like an armor thing. It, just complete bonkers amazingness. One single favorite, if you had to choose just one look from today. I'm going to go with Wanda because that's like, she, that, that, that's like my favorite of her looks. I'm going to go with Tigra because I love Tigra so much. <laughs> you know what? I am going to go with Angel's blue and white look. That one for me. Fabulous. This was not only a ton of fun, it was actually very educational for me. <laughs> I learned a lot. That was a really fun time. And I will uh, forever just light these costumes up in my brain now, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, I would love to do this again when we get a little farther into the series and we have more classic uh, 70s things to look at. But that was really fun. Uh, does anybody need a brief break before we do our issue review? No, okay, good. Okay. Uh, Seth, were you wanting to hang out for this part or are you going to head out from here? Nope, I didn't. I didn't review the issue, so it was very nice to meet y'all. It was very fun to hear all your thoughts on those really great clothes. Thanks for hanging out, man. That was really helpful. Yep, good to see y'all. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Have a great day. Okay, with that, we're going to transition into our issue review. Let me do just a little bit of intro work here because we've been focusing on the '60s stuff so much. Uh, And along came Alan Davis. Born in 1956, Alan is a legendary writer and an incredible artist who's had major impacts on multiple franchises, including the Justice League. At Marvel, he had long stints on Captain Britain, Excalibur, The Avengers, Thor, Thanos, and Uncanny X-Men. He's a longtime collaborator of Chris Claremont. Davis has a signature style of beautifully drawn superheroes and epic battles. With Mark Farmer's tight inks over his pencils, His pencils are recognizable on site to the whole industry. I love every book I've ever seen him draw in, literally. Uh, Interviewing this man would be a dream. We will talk a lot about him as we get farther on in the chronology of this show. But in 2014, Davis launched a new project. It's a limited series called Savage Hulk, which dust off an old Hulk Hulk title from years before. Uh, And it shocked me, I remember, when this was coming out because it fits into X-Men continuity in a very weird way. So before I introduce this series, let me ask my panel, do you guys just have general thoughts on Alan Davis or his pencils? He's my absolute number one favorite artist, comic book artist. Like I love him the most. Uh, I I love his designs. I love his clean pencils. Like it's a very like, uh, like clean, smooth uh, kind of look that that he does. Anytime I pose my hands, I always think about how he draws, especially like female hands that are they're, they're like this, and they always have like that point because obviously they have nails under a glove. Um, I I just, I love him the most. Again, growing up with Excalibur is like the book that I read the, the um, that I got into the most was just uh, I I just love him. I just love him. Um. Uh... The you know pre Age of Apocalypse um, era when he did like the red training uniform suits on on all the X Men that is on my list still. I have been I I need to get back to that, but uh, it is on the list for demand tonight. Both 
to wear red and yellow training uniforms together um, <laughs> because it's important to do in life. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I am also a really big fan of Alan Davis. His work is stunning, and it's also I do notice the hands and the feet thing. They're always very pointed. They look like mm -hmm. they look like they're perfectly posed at every time. Uh, and something else that I always notice with his work is you can tell this man loves hair because he puts so much thought and care into a drawing it really big most of the time or really sleek in the way that it flows. And so that's something that I always associate as a trademark of his work is the hands, the feet, the lips and the hair. He is one of my all-time favorites as well. So let me introduce this series very quickly. In order to do that, we have to take a step back on the show for just a minute. We're going to recap a little bit of what we've covered on my show in the last couple of months, primarily from X-Men 65 and 66, which ended volume one. So Professor X faked his death. He had the Changeling die in his place, but really he was hiding in the basement and preparing for the alien invasion of the world conquering Xanox. And in issue 65, we learn he is alive and he unites the X-Men, including the original five, plus Havoc and Lorna Dane, in an intense mutant circuit that unites the minds of mankind with Xavier as the focus. And he uses that to repel the Xenox invasion. Then in issue 66, which is the final issue, Xavier is so fucking tired. He's mentally exhausted enough to fall into a coma. I mean, he did just save the planet, so it's okay. But the X-Men rush to get Dr. Bruce Banner at Xavier's request because Banner has designed a gamma ray device that can treat mental exhaustion, which just seems like a very bad idea. But it ends up saving Xavier's life, but not before the X-Men fight the Hulk in Las Vegas and the army is there. And that's kind of all you need, the end. So many years later, John Byrne launched X-Men The Hidden Years, which is set immediately after 66. And we're going to spend a significant amount of time on that series on my show this year. Uh, the uh, the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine, numbers three and four, are also set right after 66, as is this series. So they kind of all happen at the same time. You got to just stack them up. But there's this four-issue Savage Hulk series that's set immediately after the X-Men Hulk connection. And it delves deeper, weirdly, into the gamma ray exhaustion device, as if that was some sort of plot point that they needed to clear up 50 years later. Uh, tell me your thoughts on uh, this era of X-Men history, or what was it like for you guys to pick up this series? I don't know if you'd read it before or not. Um, I don't I don't think I'd read it before. Um, I, Devan and I have definitely discussed um, uh, costume options from um, these specifically, these issues specifically. Um, I'm not normally a huge, like, you know, uh, Hulk fan, so I don't really necessarily, like, really follow the Hulk as much as I do, like, you know, Jennifer and She-Hulk stuff. Um, yeah. Um, it's pretty. <laughs> it's, it's very pretty, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very pretty. Like, this, uh, again, like, uh, it's also weird to because this book was written in 2014, it's weird to then, like, try to put your mindset in the way that books were written in the 60s, because mm -hmm. it's very, it's very different, and so it's like, sure, there's this, there's this machine that does the stuff, and it, it you know, it's very, it's very weird, uh, but, again, it was, it was a fun read, for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, know that the, that this miniseries had existed so it was a nice little treat to find out that it did because i love alan davis's work um but yeah it's pretty short pretty brief stuff happens 
it's also one of those things like stuff happens, but it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's definitely um, it definitely felt like a very classic, you know, uh, comic book story. Like you know, just to the point. It doesn't, you know, kind of like dilly dallying all over the place for no reason. Like you know, it, it was a very easy read and a very like you know, just a nice concise little story. Just one done, you know. There's a lot of wonky science in this, oh, <laughs> this yeah. series, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Drink, uh, so, we're trying to make sense. Drink, we're trying to make sense. Just move on. So whenever we're doing a single issue on my show, we will often go page by page. We are not doing that with this series. It's really a quick read. The Alan Davis pencils are really beautiful. A few pages are pretty word dense, but you can probably read the whole four issues in 30 minutes, unless you spend a really long time with each page. So we're covering Savage Hulk number one through four. This was released in 2014. The story is titled The Man Within. Uh, this is uh, written and penciled by Alan Davis with inks by Mark Farmer, uh, colors by Matt Hollingsworth, letters by Clayton Cowles, and the editors are Mark Panacea and Will Moss. So I'm going to recap this series quickly, and then we will just spend some time talking about it. And if anybody interrupts me along the way, that's completely fine. I'm just going to read a quick recap. Uh, as we're beginning, it makes sense to revisit the origin of Bruce Banner very quickly. Uh, like that of the X-Men, his story has been told through a series of retcons over the years that are added as the time goes by. Uh, we learn over time Bruce was raised by a horribly abusive father who murdered his mother, and Bruce's identity fractured to protect himself, which gave him a series of internal multiple personalities. Uh, he became one of the world's foremost scientists, specializing in gamma radiation research, but the bomb he designed went off and Bruce absorbed the gamma, which resulted in creating him, uh, turning him into the Incredible Hulk, which is a massive green monster who is immortal and has incalculable, incalculable strength that increases the matter he gets. Uh, so the Hulk is controlled by one of Bruce's alternate identities. He's usually a childlike brute, uh, though there are some other prominent versions of the Hulk within his mind, like Joe Fixit, the Professor, the Devil Hulk, and several others. And we do see these uh, these personalities in his brain during this issue, which is why I am discussing it. Gamma radiation has affected a lot of Marvel characters over the years, maybe into the hundreds. Uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of gamma characters. Uh, it kills most people that it comes in contact with, but we have uh, everyone turning out a little different with uh, with whatever the gamma's effect with them is. Uh, so Le Leonard Sampson is the psychiatrist who maintains his Caucasian skin with green hair, he's super strong, super smart. Uh, Jennifer Walters can go savage sometimes when she turns into She-Hulk, but often she's very just super intelligent and a little less inhibited than Jennifer is. Uh, Emil Blomsky, who we'll see in this, is the Abomination, who's just like a very lizard brain, savage killer who's super strong. And then Samuel Stearns is a much more humanoid version uh, of the green skin look, except he has a giant green cranium as the leader. And this gives him super intelligence. We'll also see him in this story. Uh, so this is why we started with this question today. Uh, so turning it over to the panel quickly, do you have thoughts on Hulk or gamma radiation as it exists in uh, in Marvel? Gamma is to the Hulk what the X gene is to the X-Men. <laughs> I mean, listen, I love She-Hulk so very much. Um, and Doc Sampson can always get it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pro-gamma. Like, let's get some more. Let's go. <laughs> it's just so wild that it's like, Again, like, you know, coming from the atomic age of, of the 60s and stuff, like, it makes sense. But it's also like, this should kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's so many characters, like, you should be dead. This, you should be dead. Uh, oh, go, go ahead, Tay. 
yeah, get, all the Hulk stuff for me is always filtered through the lens of She-Hulk for me. So everything that I learn tends to be through that world. But it's interesting. When my kids were little, we uh, my youngest said, let's play Hulk. And I'm like, all right, I'll be Hulk. And my littlest one's like, I'm going to be Red Hulk. And my oldest said, I'm going to be She-Hulk. That was one of the many moments along the way where like, oh, he could be queer. <laughs> and it's so cute. <laughs> uh, okay, so as we open issue number one, we open on a news, news report showing footage of the X-Men's conflict with the Hulk in Las Vegas. The leader is watching the footage and he zooms in to read Bruce Banner's lips, seeing him use the name Xavier. Cross-referencing this with reports about the Xenox invasion and the recent detection of gamma energy in use at the home of Charles Xavier, which was the gamma exhaustion device, the leader determines that the X-Men are run by Charles Xavier himself. Brilliant! We switch to the Nevada desert where the Hulk is fighting off the army's missiles. A caption states, three high explosive warhead options, penetration, concussion, and shredding, which I believe is the same three options that the many lovers of Domenda Martini have available to them. <laughs> penetration, concussion, and shredding. Any comments, Demanda? <laughs> Murdered. Bread for Phil. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> but like Greta Garbo, the Hulk just wants to be alone. He changes back to Bruce Banner and he meets a nice couple, Jeb and Dorothy, who feed him dinner in this RV, but later he turns into Hulk and scares them away. Back at the X-Mansion, Professor X is ignoring the worries of his students who remind him that he was just in a fucking coma, but he wants to track down the Hulk and help him. And it seems like Xavier has been corresponding with Banner about the gamma exhaustion device which was powered by Hulk's own gamma energy from like his own body and could possibly be used to cure Banner of being the Hulk. But the Hulk had tried it once and it had failed. Xavier believes that if he guides the machine telepathically in the Hulk's mind, it might work. And the fact that this man got gamma irradiated, <laughs> Xavier. Oh, okay, the X-Men go to Banner's base in the desert and Havoc blasts their way in. Xavier hones Jean's telepathy so she might be able to sedate the Hulk. Then he stays behind with the Beast and Lorna while the X-Men go find Hulk, but oh no, they accidentally track the Abomination instead, and the army's there. Uh, that's issue one of the story covered very quickly. What are your thoughts? I only have one thought. Um, this guy, uh, in issue one, was my absolute favorite little guy. <laughs> <laughs> like a little tech frog? Yeah, yeah like the, a robotic the, the little lizard, lizard. Little sneaky spy lizard. I'm like, what's your name? What's your story, bud? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm just glad that Lorna showed up for, for work today. <laughs> <laughs> but did she, though? She's like, I have to be here, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I, I, I only I only wish that, again, I was saying this earlier, but like uh, with Chad, but like, I wish that she had been drawn to have like coffee in her hand because she's like, oh, I have, I have to go get some coffee. Yeah. The, the interesting thing for me is that so far, just in this one issue, there's so many characters. But what mm -hmm. I like is that you can already tell just how Jean-focused the story is turning out so far and how she's kind of the important one because of her telepathy. Absolutely. We don't get a lot of Jean stories back in the 60s. Mm. But she is telepathic at this point, and we see that prominently play into this issue. Uh, okay, the X-Men in issue two fight the Abomination while holding up the military. Jean reads Abomination's mind and is like, oh no, he's a monster. And then she uses her power to identify a weak spot in his body for Cyclops to fire into, which is an insane upgrade for her power-wise. 
the Hulk gets there and he kicks the shit out of the abomination who's like, I'm strongest. And Hulk's like, no, I'm fucking strongest and smashes him. And then the military arrests only the abomination. Uh, and it isn't directly stated, but I kind of believe that Gene convinced them to like drive off and leave the Hulk alone. Then the Hulk took Bruce Banner back, excuse me, the X-Men took Bruce Banner back to the lab to meet with Professor X. A beast notes out loud in one moment how for the Hulk being trapped in a monstrous form must be the worst. He says, I can't imagine any fate worse than being trapped in an inhuman form, which is, of course, retroactive because he's going to be blue before too long in the comics. Uh, Xavier puts Banner in the chair and activates the gamma device and works to telepathically guide it, but it's too much. Jean jumps in to help and oh no, she's Gamma Jean now. She's green skinned and giant and she tore her green mini dress and says, Rarg, uh, what are your thoughts on issue number two? I love Hulk Jean the most. Um, <laughs> I debated with myself on showing up tonight uh, in this outfit specifically, um, but then I was like, I don't want to be green today. So no, um, yeah, love it, love everything about it. I, it uh... Again, I'm really glad Lorna showed up to work today. Good for her. <laughs> doing doing the absolute least. The lizard guy is also doing the most, which is wonderful. Um, but also, it's like, how the fuck does this mental exhaustion machine work where it's like, it like shoots at him, but then Professor Xavier like uses telepathy to like focus it, and then like Gene gets involved. Again, just drink for trying to make sense. Don't worry about it. Just, just enjoy. Yeah, it, it, enjoy the beautiful uh, Alan Davis art. <laughs> yeah, for me, it, I'm just, I'm just here for Jean Grey being the Sailor Mercury of the X Men. Really, she's <laughs> telling them all what to do. Apparently, now she can sense weaknesses in her little mini computer that's actually her brain. Yeah. She uh, she she's she's the one that showed up to work, and everybody else is just doing what she tells them to do. So Gene getting gamma rays is nuts. There is a series a few years ago. There was like a lot of stuff. It was it was under kind of a title called like Hulked Out Heroes, and there was a bunch of like mini series. You got like Hulk Thor and Hulk Cyclops and Hulk Everyone. So you get to see some of your X Men characters hulked out there. But seeing Gene go Hulk here when you're reading this, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's not an expected thing. When we open issue three, Gamma Jean is so powerful. She can affect matter on a molecular level telekinetically. So the X-Men kind of briefly fight her, but she gets her wits about her and then creates herself a new costume out of matter. Now, again, we're doing retroactive continuity here. So this is stuff that came later. But when you go back and read the Brian Michael Bendis time travel story where the teenage X-Men come into the present, are you guys all familiar with mm -hmm. all the X-Men? Mm -hmm. There's a time where Jean goes into space and gets taken over by this thing called a poison and it kills her and her mind is released and she literally rebuilds herself a body out of like cosmic matter. And when they've talked about her being in a mega mutant, this is like the thing she can do telekinetically that makes her so fucking powerful. It's weird in practicality. So we get this idea that she can create a costume out of just thin air, which is a strange thing for her. Uh, any thoughts on that before I continue? I just want to talk about how she makes a costume out of nothing, but not shoes. Um, <laughs> like, like, and also, like, I mean, like, ma'am, it's a bikini. So... She also takes Lorna's headpiece that turns and, it red. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why Lorna was here today. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it's, it's also just, like, so... So, I mean, this is a, a fairly typical thing that 
both Jean and Rachel have done over uh, over the years. Like, it was definitely a huge thing that when Rachel was the host of the Phoenix and Excalibur, like, when she and Megan would, like, get, like, their weird, like, body swap stuff going on, like, they'd always end up in each other's clothes. Um, but uh, it, it's just, it's, like, out of all of the things that Jean could make for herself, it just, again, shows, like, the weird fashion choices <laughs> that Jean has. Like, this costume, this, like, weird, like, red bikini thing with, like, leg socks, but not shoes. <laughs> so, it's, because, like, it doesn't look like Jean. It definitely looks very much like something that the She-Hulk would wear. It looks like Thundra. Yeah, I know, yeah, a little bad. bit like Thundra. Um, it's just, it's a very weird thing. Also, there's this whole thing where, like, Xavier thinks that the X-Men are being mind-controlled by Gene, but really they were just all looking at him being like, just stop being a dick. Like, we're cool. <laughs> yeah. I I had questions about the headpiece exchange moment between Gene and Lorna, because it doesn't show that she's, like, remaking it, but it suddenly goes from green to red. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm assuming that Lorna's head isn't massive. So... <laughs> It somehow then fits Jean's head, which would be massive. And there's also this exchange where she's like, where they're like, oh, it looks so much better on you. I'm like, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 oh, okay. The panel where and then Bobby's like, like oh, you look her. hot. And I'm like, um, yeah, Bobby's like, you're so hot. Oh, Bobby. <laughs> because she looks more like a drag queen. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so the X-Men all tell Xavier to stop being a jerk, but then the leader's robots attack, and then suddenly Xavier finds himself lost in Banner's memories. Now, this is where things get weird. We're not entirely sure that what just happened actually happened, or if Xavier just experienced this inside Banner's mind. Because when he returns from Hulk's mind, Gene is no longer in a gamma form, and all of the X-Men are tied up in the leader's basement. Like, he captured them, basically. So we're not entirely sure if that happened or if it just shifted back off panel. But inside the Hulk's mind, Xavier witnesses a bunch of Hulk's memories, like the gamma bomb going off. Uh, he sees Hulk fighting a lot of his own foes. There's a bunch of cute little, like, uh, throw out throws, throw-ins to old Hulk foes here, if you like those characters. Uh, and then some nonsense explains how the the exhaustion device is making Hulk stronger and feeding off his energy, which makes it stronger and then makes him stronger. And it's like a recursive loop somehow. Uh, so now that, yeah, the X-Men are captured, the end of issue three. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this uh, section of the story? <laughs> so like, it was all a dream. None of this is actually real. It's It's such a weird bait and switch of like, so wait, so did it happen or did it not? But again, yeah, it never it, says if it was a dream. Yeah, it, that's it, what's, like, that's what's frustrating. These issues move so quickly that it's just like there's no time to even question it. I remember I finished reading issue four and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> did, did, did they actually get gamma radiated or did they not? <laughs> it's again, it, this is definitely a just you're in for the ride. When it's over, it's over. And at the end, nothing really mattered like no, nothing's like lasting effect so like just enjoy it but it it, it was a, it was a fun little moment gene got to be like naked on panel which you know work um but what what a we just wild wild uh tay what did you think of this uh issue three it just felt like 
the purpose and the pitch was Alan Davis went into Marvel Marvel's offices and said, Hulk Jean Grey. And then I'll figure out the rest later. Because she's it it happens in this issue like this, and then it doesn't matter for the remaining several pages in the following issue, but I'm, that's the moment I'm here for. I really want to know who came up with the idea of like, we need to revisit that exhaustion device from that one issue in 1970. <laughs> it's bizarre. Uh, Dex, what did you think of issue three? I, I mean, Hulk Jean Grey, I'm here for it. Um, I, I do love it. I mean, even though like, she never really didn't feel like Jean Grey to me at all. I mean, like I, I mean, I, I get that Jean has like you know pent up rage or whatever because she's the girl on the team, and you know they all kind of like look at her as just like like just the girl on the team. So I get it, but also like it just like didn't it didn't feel like Jean to me. Um, but I still love her and I want more of her. So she's doing uh, like wild things with her powers in this issue. Like sort of like she would do in like 1995. She didn't really use her telepathy in those like really manipulative subtle ways for a long time. And it's, it's kind of weird to throw that in here. Oh yeah. The whole, like when they're, or is that in the next issue when she starts, when she uses like her telepathy with like, she uses angel's eyes. Yeah. yeah. No, that, uh, that's, that's, that's the next one. But I mean, like at the end when they're all captured, it's like, I love that panel because like Scott and Jean look fine. They're like, Oh, this is normal for us. <laughs> this is Friday. <laughs> like, like she's literally smiling. And so is he. So. <laughs> well, and at the start of issue four, Xavier tries to make mental contact with Jean, but she's passed over her like psychic link to Xavier over to Scott, who is then able to communicate with the professor, like this type of stuff. She was not doing it all back then, but again, in like 1995, I would totally see that Jean doing these types of things with her powers. Uh, in the final issue, the, the X-Men use teamwork and escape. I mean, I'm over-summarizing. <laughs> That's basically what happens. And then the Hulk gets a giant, like, leader brain head because the Gamma is making him crazy. And now he's lashing out. But also he's telekinetic for a second. And then the leader who, his, his most famous thing is he designs these, like, little plastic humans that he calls humanoids. And they're ridiculous. Uh, but the humanoids attack. Hulk smashes the leader, it turns out was a robot, and then he smashes the exhaustion device, and Xavier's like, no, this is your one chance to cure yourself, and he's like, yeah, but I'm blowing up, bitch, and then the base blows up, and then the Hulk's back to normal, and all the gamma's gone, and he stares Xavier down, and this is my favorite moment, even more than Gene going gamma, is Xavier has, like, locked eye contact with the Hulk in this gorgeous double page spread. And then the Hulk just goes, like, all of us want to, to Charles Xavier. Hide Xavier's face and then just leaps away. It's a wonderful moment. And then basically Xavier gives us a little, like, the moral of the story at the end. He's like, the man within was Bruce Banner all along. We're like, look, okay, the end. <laughs> the purples yeah. are so pretty. That's all you need to know. Uh, what are your thoughts on issue four and the conclusion of this story? I mean, it was, I mean, it was fine. Um, I mean, like, it, it, it's a solid wrap-up to the story. I mean, again, I'm not a huge, like, Hulk fan or, like, Hulk, you know, uh, rogues gallery fan. Like, the leader to me, I'm like, girl, calm down. Like, go buy a hat or whatever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like you can go. Um, but, I mean, it, it's fine. I'm not mad at it. It was, again, like, the whole thing. I, I feel like, also, like, it has to be read as a whole. Like, you can't, like, just, like, read, like, one of these issues and be like... That was fine. Like without the other ones, even the last one, they don't stand on their own for any reason, really. You know, yes. aside from the art, that's literally the 
best part of all yeah, of it. <laughs> I, 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 I think if I would have tried to like buy this in 2014 and bought it issue by issue, I think I would have not liked this miniseries because it's so frustrating. Like it's definitely a thing where you need the Netflix to binge it. Like you can't like having to like sit and wait for like a whole month to get mm-hmm. the next issue. I would have been livid. I liked the overall, I guess, messaging of it. And it did have that like cute ending that was nice between Xavier and the Hulk. Um, but the, the, the definitely the final issue, very Hulk heavy. And overall, it it kind of left me with the question of, okay, well, why was this like an X-Men centric story as well? Why were they all there when so few of them were necessary to this? Story. This is what is most wild to me about this four issue series. It's Alan Davis drawing the X Men, and the book is called The Savage Hulk. It's not X Men Hulk or Hulk versus X Men. The X Men were huge, and this is 2014 where people were like so hungry for good X Men comics. And to put Davis's name on an X Men book but call it Hulk is is mind blowing to me. I don't know what the editorial decision was behind that. I'm sure there was a reason, but it's 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 really startling to me. I want to talk about Jean Grey in this um, blindfold with her mask still on underneath. <laughs> How uncomfortable that must be. <laughs> just like, oh, leave the mask on, just like. <laughs> also, the size of her lips changes in two panels that I think mm-hmm. are literally next to each other because they do a, a profile and she's got like these big, like, um, Goldie Hawn in First Wives Club lips, and then the next they have her like this. I'm like, huh? so by the side it's plump, but by the front it's a okay. Uh, any other final thoughts on the Savage Hulk? It's it's a quick, easy read. It it was fun. It's read it pretty. The, read it for the pencils. Read it for Gene going gamma. Read it for that two issue spread of Xavier screaming in Hulk's face and staring him down. It's uh for that two page spread. It's a it's a it's a really fun series. It's an easy read and it's nonsense super science. But for the completionist in you, you now know what happened to the uh, gamma exhaustion <laughs> device that I know you were losing sleep over until you heard this episode. Uh, what a genuine delight to hang out with each of you this evening. Thank you for your time and your talents and your humor and your wit. I had a wonderful time this evening, and uh, it's an honor getting to know you all. Uh, as we are wrapping up, we're going to put this episode out on the main show on April 24th in an audio format. There will also be a link to view the video version of this show uh, for free. We'll put it on the show's Patreon channel, which you are welcome to join, and I'd be happy to have you do so. It's only $3 a month for four bonus character-focused episodes, but we uh, we will have this episode up for free there at that time. Uh, where can people find each of you online, and what would you like to plug when it comes to late April of 2023? Uh, I keep my own social media private because I've got kiddos, but you can find Gray Malkin Lane, Gray Malkin PP Like Podcast on Twitter, Gray Malkin underscore Lane on Instagram. Uh, we are officially launching into X-Men The Hidden Years starting in our very next episode which I'm very excited about. I've, I've got a lot of incredible talent coming on. We're also introducing Storm and Wolverine to the show very quickly. Our two next featured guests are going to be Jason Liebig, the Marvel editor from the 90s, and uh, then Ken Nomura. So we have some wonderful things coming out. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. I'm very excited for what's coming up. 
so to each of you, where can people find you online and what would you like to plug? Uh, let's go to Tay first. Uh, everybody can find me online on Twitter, TikTok, where there's nothing. And <laughs> Instagram, I am uh, at Tay Bobo Queen on all of that. And basically, if anybody's ever in Toronto, look on Instagram, see where I'm performing. I'll be somewhere for five nights a week. Wonderful. And thank you, Tay, for coming on today. This was fun. Thank you for uh, having me. Dex. Uh, yes, I can be found online on all social media platforms as at Daxclamation. That's D-A-X-C-L-A-M-A-T-I-O-N. Um, that also goes for Cash App and Venmo. Um, <laughs> as far as plugs, I mean, we have, there's conventions coming up. Demand to write. We have things coming up. I can't remember. Uh, what is like, Awesome Con? Is that, is that June? Yeah, yeah. So 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 awesome cons coming up, which I know we need to talk to our friend Logan about because with it mm-hmm. she was already in talks, but you know how Logan is. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll like, but yeah, that, that that's coming up, and uh, I think that's the only convention that's like soon. The yeah, the most recent one, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, just follow me. Um, I'll say where I'm going to be when I'm going to be there. <laughs> Wonderful. And you can see all three of these queens, Tay and Dax and Demenda, putting up regular drag looks. They are incredibly gorgeous, talented queens. Uh, watch them and support them and uh, enjoy them. Uh, they're wonderful. Uh, and then finally, Demanda. Uh, so you can find me across all social media at Demanda Martini. D M A N D A M A R T I N I. Uh, as of the release of this episode, um, that Saturday, the 29th, which is also my birthday, um, mm-hmm. I will be doing a very special drag story hour for the LGBTQ Caucus of Congress, which is extremely exciting um, to do. And then um, I then have a show uh, that Sunday, again, if you're in the D.C. area. Um, I've also started rehearsals uh for into the woods which is going to be in july i'm playing cinderella's stepmother um and uh i do have other shows uh i know that uh, awesome con's coming up uh, i will be attending flame con um and uh for those of you who listen in utah i'm still working on figuring out because i think panel selection closes soon for Fan X in Salt Lake City, which uh, I am hoping to attend in September. Um, yeah, Amanda, so guys- Amanda and I have put in uh, panel ideas to do together at a couple different cons, and we're waiting to hear back. So we'll keep. Yeah. Um, so uh, and and I also have other friends that I'm hoping to put in some panels for at uh, at Salt Lake, and uh, I think I think that's like the main stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, again, also June is coming up. Pride is a crazy month for uh, us drag performers. So I'm sure you will be able to find us all around. Do any of you have any X-Men drag looks coming up that we should be uh, excited about? I mean, literally always. It's <laughs> 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 always like in process of X-Men looks. Like we are planning to do Acolytes together uh, mm-hmm. at some point coming up. Um, I... I'm about to uh, start working on a new 90 Storm costume because I want to do. I just want to redo because I just feel like it's time for that. Sorry, our show in May. Uh, we're doing a show in Portland, Oregon, in on May true, 20th true. called Homo Superior. So if you are in Portland, Oregon uh, that weekend, you should come see me and Dax performing. That that I, it's like I know there's some ladies. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so again, the, the Acolytes, uh, this is a brand new look for you all, this blue phoenix. Um, I literally just commissioned uh, Dazzler Starcrotch. Uh, so that's coming. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, for, for, for FlameCon, uh, again, hopefully I'll be hanging out with uh, Connor slash CerebroCast uh, again at FlameCon. And in celebration of that, I am going to be working on uh, Soft Pink Delicate Bestie. Ooh. Oh, I wish I had something coming up. I'm saving all my coins to get my Taylor Swift costumes made. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. Thank you for your time and talents once again. This has been lovely. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you back here next time on Greymock and Lane. Thank you for listening to Greymock and Lane. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. Greymock and Lane is produced and recorded in Salt Lake City, Utah, with music and editing done by my husband, Michael Bell, and promo art done by the incredible Seth Martell. Look for us on Patreon, where we are releasing weekly episodes about obscure characters and facts uh, it's a great way to participate with the podcast for only just a couple of dollars a month, and it helps support what we are doing here. Also, the best way you could help Grandma and Lane is by sharing and liking and subscribing, but also please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you back here next time on Grandma and Lane. <laughs>